welcome to Marshall Live, the show where we go in search of the world's greatest culture warriors. And today we're obviously not bringing you the show from the studio in Sydney. Instead, we are cruising around the Adriatic with the Mark Stein cruise. We've just left the volcanic island of Santorini and we're adrift on the way to Split in Croatia, where we intend to shop our way through the rest of our cruise. Joining me this week, we have Lilani Dowding, the uh, page three girl who has had a meteorotic rise to fame in a political commentary. Lilani, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, look, we're in a beautiful, idyllic setting here. You're one of Mark's angels. <laughs> and people are wondering how on earth we got to be on this fabulous cruise and on this show. Now, you didn't begin as a political commentator. No. You began as a model. Do you want to tell us how you got into that profession? You know what? I have to ask Mark Stein this question because I have no idea how he actually found me. Um, but yeah, I started uh, page three probably about 24, 23 years ago after I'd won Miss Great Britain, um, which was in 98. Um, then I went on, I was in and out you know, the kind of spotlight in the UK. Um, I moved to Los Angeles, um, where I did a couple of reality shows in there. Then I had a normal life as a real estate agent. <laughs> then I moved back to England. Um, I did a reality show called The Real Housewives of Cheshire, which I think there, there could be a Real Housewives um, brand in Australia. I don't know, but there's a yeah, lot I in America. I think we do have some Westie Housewives shows. <laughs> it's not really my thing, but no. I do think that it has Cross the uh, ocean and come to yeah. Australia. Yeah, oh gosh, no, you've been tainted. No, I, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I despised it. I did a season and I refused to go back because I absolutely hated it. Um, I thought I could kind of change how people thought about, you know, the, the fiance of, you know, a, a quite a, um, a well known a well known guy or a wealthy guy, and 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 you know, the way they tried to push the narrative was just horrible. So I, I left that, I refused to go back, but that again pushed me into the limelight in the UK. So when I started speaking out about lockdowns, um, about the jab, about mandates, that kind of thing, um, the press picked up on it really quickly. So I think one of the first things the press did is I said that, look, this is crazy, we're being locked down, we're being stopped from exercising, um, we're being stopped from getting fresh air, sunlight, which means no vitamin D, all the things that, you know, kind of make you a healthy human being that you need. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of unhealthy people that are pushing that it's a conspiracy theorist to need all of this stuff. And then, you know, I got this headline, Leilani blames fat people for lockdown. So oh, that would have been an instant <laughs> cancellation. I was going to say, this is not your yeah. first brush with fame. So obviously you were adored by millions of mostly men, let's be honest. What was that fame like before you discovered political fame? Because I'm guessing it's yeah. a different type of fame that you had originally. Yeah, I, it, it was actually a really fun time in my life. Something that no one can do now because it's not politically correct. Um, you know, I, I did page three, um, which led to me, you know, getting all, and, and also Miss Great Britain, which led to all kinds of endorsements. I was able, I did pantomime, I did um, commercials, adverts, TV show appearances. Um, and I just had the best life through my 20s. I was a grid girl. They stopped girls from, you know, working on the grids at Formula yeah, One. So I want to ask you about that. Western civilization or ancient times, particularly where we are in the beautiful Adriatic, a lot of these cultures worship the idea of the feminine and the women. There's their pictures everywhere we go on all the islands. And you were this gorgeous grid girl. Now, 
is there anything wrong with girls making a living out of their looks? Because at the moment it's being demonised. Yeah, it's totally being demonised. Um, I did really well from it. I was able to buy myself a house and put a deposit on a house when I was like in my early 20s. Um, and people, and you know, when they started talking about Grid Girls or Page 3 um, and other things where, you know, it was based upon a girl's looks, um, there was a lot of backlash against it, probably, I don't know, was it, I was living in the US at the time, probably in the 2000s. And it was, you know, very offensive for girls to do what I was doing. And, and they kind of, they, they stopped it, but, but no one's looking at things like OnlyFans or the filth, the utter filth that you, you know, kids can see on their iPhones or their tablets at the touch of a button. No one's talking about that anymore. No one's talking about Sam Smith and his sexual displays yes. in, you know, his concerts where where kids go or, you know, during pride events where, you know, men are getting naked and in front of children. Men who would, let's face it, they would never be Miss Un Mr. Universe. If you're going to be <laughs> frankly honest, but you didn't find it a degrading experience. No. You weren't you're oppressed or anything. No. You didn't feel like you were a, a tool of the patriarchy. None of that, I'm guessing, it was was it empowering? It was empowering and it, yeah, it was, you know, they're trying to say it's degrading to women. It was not, it was great. Like I said, I was able to buy myself a place to live. I, I was, you know, I got, I was able to have financial security um, and I think it was empowering. It was, I mean, you know, to me and yes, I understand that, you know, let's not base everything upon looks, you know, but if if that had been the case i probably wouldn't have invested smartly and done all of that so you know i think i think the problem is is that you're taking away um i think there's just been an attack on beauty on femininity on anything to do with women on motherhood um just just everything surrounding women and and you know and beauty not just um, as a woman, but you know, even when you look at architecture and everything, <laughs> so you see communism and socialism and, and these times when the worship of the state rather than the worship of uh, reaching for a divine idea, whether that be femininity or a god or something, this, I, this socialism seems to be this glass and concrete abyss, this dystopian nightmare that we live yeah. in. But you're quite right, you talk about people like Dylan Mulvaney who is, of course, a, a, a transsexual, I think uh, he's an influencer, or she's an influencer who does the Bud Light commercials. Apparently they've they've gone to Peru or something to find themselves, <laughs> they're hanging out with llamas at the moment, is the last thing I saw. But when they run around in an Adidas crop top or a Nike activewear, that's suddenly empowering. But right. when a woman goes to the, the is a grid girl, mm -hmm. that's offensive and that's degrading to women. And you made a comment a while ago, a few years, that it wasn't just men who were trying to erase femininity so that they can take up the space that you have. There's also some women who seem to be jealous of other women yeah. leading this cancer culture. Is that something you have seen? Oh, it's definitely been a lot of women. There were a lot of women at the forefront saying, you know, ban page three, ban grid girls. Um, you know, every woman must do something academic, you know, and the same with this attack on, I think it's an attack on motherhood. We see the fertility rates go down. Uh, young people don't want to have children. I think, you know, my mum stayed at home when me and my sister were young. I think, I don't even think I knew what a chicken nugget was until I was about eight years old. My mum cooked for me. I didn't have designer clothes. I didn't even have Levi's or Nike or anything like that. 
because the priority was that, you know, a roof over our head and good food. And during my age, I think that, um, you know, I lived in cities like London and Los Angeles, and I think in the big cities, there is definitely conditioning. Um, and I think I've been, I was conditioned so much so that I don't even regret it, that, um, you know, staying at home and looking after children is bad. And it means you have no ambition, um, or it means you're a gold digger. And I don't think it's just women that were conditioned that way. I think men have been. So if a man was to meet a woman who, you know, wants to raise kids at home, that's, you know, frowned upon by men and by women. And I definitely think, um, I, you know, I fell into that. Um, and I've always want, I always thought that if I wanted children, I would have wanted to homeschool them. Um, particularly, particularly now. <laughs> particularly now. I, I've never been a fan of homeschooling previously because I, I enjoy the, yeah. the children playing with each other. I thought it was yeah. quite important. But when you see the radicalization yeah. of children in schools, I mean, you could send your little girl off to school and she might come back a boy the next afternoon. Right. But with physic, real physical injuries, not just a phase that they go through. They're yeah. just going to be goth for half an hour and yeah. come back. And you're like, that's okay. They'll grow out of the goth thing. This yeah. is a more serious uh, trend that we're seeing where children are no longer safe inside the school system. That's Absolutely. Serious. No, it is serious. And, um, you know, I was a real tomboy when I was young. I might not seem well, like... <laughs> a man. In this case, you're really just a man. Yeah, and, you know, I got my school to start a rugby team because I thought, like, netball was just a joke. And, and you know, I knew I was a female. I boxed. I actually had fights with... Boxing fights with other girls. Um, I ended up doing a wrestling show for um, ITV. Um, I, I got my school to start a rugby team when I was 16 or 17 because I found girly things just like ugh, gross. And I wasn't really girly. But with that said, it never meant that I should have been a boy. It just meant that I wasn't a particularly girly girl at that stage in my life. And it's they're not letting kids express themselves in any way that they wish. Like, you know, um, well, you would, you would, they went to be a page three girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think, like, seriously, if you had grown up in that time and you'd had parents who were not as responsible as yours, or you went to a school that wasn't responsible, yeah. was there a risk that you might have been set on this path that we now see little kids put onto? Oh, I definitely think they would have, they would have said, oh, hold on, Leilani, let's think what you are now. And they would have socially conditioned people because it is a social contagion, I think, this, um, the whole trans thing within kids. I mean, adults can do whatever they want. You know, you want to mutilate your genitals as an adult when you've thought it through. You know, it's no different than these people that um, the full face tattoos yeah. or have half a pound of metal yeah. off their nose. Like, that's <laughs> exactly, okay. or they you think wanna, they're a dragon and they put you implants have the in the ball face. Ring off the bottom. That's that's no problem. You're an adult. You can do that. Right, and you've thought it through. But to get prepubescent children, or even just you know, uh, children that have gone through it but are still a little confused. I think it's wrong to affirm it. Like, you know, if it was an anorexic girl, you wouldn't say, okay, let me really help you with this diet and, and get thinner because you think you're fat. No, and it doesn't mean that you discriminate against somebody who has a condition. This, this seems to be a thing where if you're not actively affirming somebody, well, then you're discriminating against them or you yeah. hate them. And I, yeah. people don't seem to be able to understand there's a separation where you yeah. can treat children who may, because there are still some genuine kids and there always will be who are trans, but they should still be left to be adults. I think Blair White spoke about how she insists that children be left until they're at least an adulthood yeah. before they make any life-changing yeah. decisions. But I, I don't know, I, I was just going to ask you, when you were in your profession as a model and then later as a grid girl, 
that profession is being eaten away by yeah. men who now want to have that. We've seen, yeah. this, I think it's Miss Netherlands yeah. who's just been, uh, she's got a little bit extra down south than yeah. perhaps her other female competitors. Now, is it going the other way? Do we have women who are now becoming Mr. Universe or is it just women, genuine biological women who are losing their opportunities? I definitely think it's mostly biological women losing opportunities. So when I was Miss Great Britain, I was 18 years old, it was 98. Um, I was able to get a visa to work in America. Um, as I said, I got like endorsements, um, guest appearances on shows, pantomime, all kinds of things from that. And now, you know, the runner up has lost that opportunity because of a biological man. Now it's not transphobic to say it, but you know, it's a biological man and you're trying to now say that a man is better at being a beautiful woman than a woman. And it's completely offensive and misogynistic. And then if you take that into sport, what happens, like, you know, we know men are built physically different. So we're going to demoralize all these girls. Like why spend your entire life dedicated, um, you know, working, working hard, eating well to get yourself to the top level of sport when a man is going to take your place. And no, it doesn't really happen the other way around. Like, I can't go into Mr. Universe, put on a pair of saggy Speedos, no top, you know, show a couple of muscles and, and win it. That's not going to happen. You know, if you went into Mr. Universe and you had the, the topless look, the little bikini, the hair done, the eyelash extensions, you might actually get the yeah. best for you. Yeah, well, Speedos, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, or or if I went into RuPaul's Drag Race, come on, like, or, or any kind of drag queen competition, it just it just doesn't happen the way other way that would be a transfer because like, why is a woman in a drag queen competition this is our thing you know so but you so, did try to protest it didn't you you actually, yeah you made some public comments before you were a genuine political commentator yeah you you're worried about it. Now, is it transphobic to complain about women losing their jobs and how did the media treat you did you feel a shift in public uh, behavior towards you when you made those comments? To be honest, I've always been really supported in what I've said because I think that I say a lot of things that people um, can't say because I'm in a position where I don't answer to anyone. That's the best thing, you know, about the life that I've been able to create for myself and having autonomy over myself is that I don't answer to anybody. I don't have a boss that can tell me, um, you know, what, what to do or what to say or how I have to behave. Um, so I can say how I feel and I think, you know, that's, you know, obviously I'm going to get some people that don't like that, but it's usually online and I just hit block, never to hear from them I mean, again. you've got hundreds of thousands of followers, <laughs> probably hit block a lot, a lot of you the know, time. Um, but I was censored, I was, t I had my Instagram taken down during the lockdowns because I was showing people how easy it was you know, to be non-compliant, to sit on a park bench with a cup of coffee when that was completely illegal to do. So my Instagram did get taken down. Um, but what I found on my Instagram before that happened is actually it was empowering a lot of people to um, meet each other when they felt the same the same way as I did. They, they could um, see they weren't alone in how they thought. They could see um, that there were other people who just, you know, felt the same way when the media and all the propaganda is telling us that everyone feels the same way and we're all granny killers or we're all transphobes or, you know, if you don't support um, the escalation in Ukraine, then you have definitely got to be a Putin sympathizer. You know, yeah, it's no, all no, of no, it. You're still getting cancelled. Yeah. I mean, 
is there a line that you will ever be able to get out of or is the cancellation severe like is it can you see a way to get over this cancellation or do you fear that it'll become all-encompassing because Instagram cancelled you yeah I mean if Twitter was to take you offline that would be detrimental and didn't you say that you actually uh, in your former prof uh, colleagues and profession that has been closing in around yeah. you. Well, when I first spoke out, um, my agent, who's also a friend of mine, um, did call me and she said, Lanani, if you keep speaking this way, I may never be able to find you work again. But as a friend, I support you. As your agent, I just need you to know this. Um, it's a post-it note on the side, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do this, yeah. just so you know my job is harder. Yeah, and she, but you know, she was cool with it. And I was like, you know, this, my freedom, and my freedom of speech means more to me than anything else. And quite honestly, if I don't work in entertainment, I don't care because I'll just go back to riding my horses and mucking out stables. Oh yes, we probably should clarify <laughs> that Lilani is a massive horse freak and if she could text her horses while the boat, she would have done so. Absolutely, horse people are crazy. Horsey people are crazy. She's got a fiance, no, it doesn't care. The horses are the most important thing in the world. I think we were walking around Montenegro, you're like, Where, how are my horses going? <laughs> I know, I was freaking out because my sister had sent something and you know they were out in the rain and, and she didn't know that horses can actually be out in the rain. They don't actually have to be in a stable the whole time, but yeah you know horses horses and dogs well it's interesting because your profession's not easy you don't just walk up and become a model and stay that way as a model you can't go and just do whatever you want on your Instagram and on your Twitter you're posting a lot of fitness videos and you're very health conscious today's society is not exactly like that there's a definitely been a shift toward being less healthy yeah. the average human body has changed its appearance I mean this is the first time in history where we haven't been starving most of the time yeah. if we're if we're honest about it do you think some of like our perception of what a human looks like has changed and thus our idea of beauty has changed? Is that why we're pushing models to become curvier while we're trying to remove Greek girls and pastry yeah. models? Is that, does that have something to do with it? Is it a reflection of us? I think it has and I think it's a lot to, a lot to do with shock. So they will have, it's not just they'll have a curvy model now, it's gone from, you know, plus size models were great. You've gone to morbidly obese models that are not a picture of health for anybody. And it's more like shock, let's get it out there, let's get the media talking. The same way they put trans models on catwalks now. Well, Just, that's now femininity. Yeah. If you're going to be a female, you have to be a performance of womanhood. And, and a caricature. Yes, and if it's almost saying, we had, when I was growing up, we went through a whole stage where you were a woman no matter how you looked, if you were in pants or had no makeup. Female was the thing that you were yeah. born as, and now it seems to be more of a, you're only a woman if you have performed like the woman. You have all the makeup on, your hair is done, you're in the short skirt, because that's the only way men can look like women. And I think, again, that's conditioning. So I remember when I was young, Pamela Anderson was, you know, someone that everyone wanted to be like, so that, you know they would try and copy her how she looked um, and they would go over but they'd go overboard with the lip fillers and the boob job and you know suddenly that's what a woman is then you know you've got Kim Kardashian and everyone then goes out to get surgery to try and look like Kim Kardashian it's getting the bum implants and the boob job and so it was very easy for men to suddenly you know just have a whole ton of surgery and they can pretend that they're you know an iconic woman <laughs> kind well, of thing. Even women are struggling with that because as you pointed out in one of Mark's shows, women, even if they do do the whole girly thing and they look roughly like you, they're now not happy with that. They have to get silicon implants, they have to have their lips done, they have to have their eyes done. Is this changing the perception of beauty standards in the West in general? And are men 
not just women, but are men being conditioned that that is what a woman has to look like? I think when all these images just keep being pushed in your face so much, I think that's what happens. And I think, you know, we see on in England, there's these shows like, um, uh, oh gosh, the Love Island or Geordie Shaw or The Only Way is Essex. And they're all, you know, doing all these procedures and they all get, you know, they get offered them for free in order to promote them. When I was on The Housewives, I think, you know, someone said to me, I've got a face like a burnt paper bag because I'm really wrinkly. And then, the, the, you know, and then they were like, do you want to go and get some Botox? As if, you know, that was going to be my answer. Like yeah, let, let me go and get some Botox and then I can come back and say, oh, no, no, I'm not. You know, and, you know, I probably could have got it for free as well because then I'd be promoting you know, that on the show, and that was against everything I stood for. So, um, you know, I said no to that, but there's a lot of these influencers and, you know, influencers in inverted commas, and young people on these reality shows that are doing all of this, um, and then so many young people see it that that, you know, those are the people on TV, those are the people that kind of, they look up to and get inspired by, and that's then, you know, kind of pushed on to what beauty is. So I see so many young people, much younger than me, doing all these kinds of procedures to the face. Like the amount of lip injections in 20-year-olds, it's just, and it's just some insane. horror stories. It's not a, you know, a victimless crime to do it. You can, they can go really, really wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I was just, it's interesting that you talk about that because it, it's transgenderism and this new beauty standard for women are both backed up by a pharmaceutical industry. Yes. It's, there's a money-making pool behind yeah. it. It's not just about looking beautiful. It's also making a profit. Do you think that has anything to do with why it's so popular and why it's being pushed so heavily onto people? Oh, absolutely. You know, a million percent. It's like, you know, and that's what I, all, all these companies that are offering these influences, free lip injections, free, you know, non-surgery threads, facelifts and all of these weird kinds of things they're doing it in order to generate more money and the same with like you know telling women not to have children and put their careers first you know when you went through a stage and you see all these like hollywood celebrities having children in their you know 40s and 50s but they're all having ivf they're not having or children surrogates. yeah or, or sorry somebody else who just delivers a baby to them yeah but normal women can't do that we can't afford to just have someone carry our child it's an unrealistic expectation and that's what happens you know no one's saying i'll oh, remember that these are all these women in hollywood in their 40s and 50s are all paying absolute you know tens of thousands for you know treatments to, so they can have babies so you know they've pushed this idea on young people i've had it happen to so many of my friends they kind of realize they've got to their mid-30s or late 30s and they're like oh my god i never settled down i always put my career first because i was conditioned to do so now i'm going to have to get ivf and spend all this money and obviously yeah you can only do it if you've got that kind of money to do it well, Lilani, it's our generation aren't having kids. We know that that's happening for a variety of reasons, but maybe not our parents, but our grandparents and our great-grandparents and going back 10,000 years, we used to have a lot of children, you know, yeah. 10 to 16, and even though not all of them survived, at least four or five or maybe even six would survive. What's going to happen to our civilization if we're simply not having children? Well, I think that's the problem. They don't, they've conditioned us into not wanting children or they want us to pay a lot of money to have children. Again, big pharma, like we discussed, you know, that are involved with, you know, the, the whole beauty industry, um, 
the health industry the or the climate change industry. The climate. So it's it's you know it's all it's all you know where the money is going, um, and we. I think the Western civilization is really become a minority because people really aren't having children and there's a flow of people into our countries that are prepared to still have you know five six seven um so yeah it's it's not gonna be great for well, it's funny because the topic of mark's cruise is actually the collapse of civilization yeah. or i think he calls it civilizational collapse yeah on the high seas and we've been to all these places of course where there there's ruins i mean Santorini had the lost ruins of Atlantis. Although, to be fair, that was not woke that killed them. It wasn't more, you yeah. know. But you, you get the idea. We're not far away from Rome, the famous yeah. fall of Rome. And there's more ways than one to kill a civilization. So even if our young people started having loads of children, people have noticed that there's a, there's a generational gap that we haven't seen for a long time emerging where the younger generation don't seem to have a lot of skills that are detached from technology. So if you right. were to give them... We were discussing a map with no internet connection. Yeah. They may struggle to find their way around. Is this generation in danger of, of not having the skills required? I think that's a huge problem. And I think that we don't learn from history. And, you know, we saw the Romans fall. We've seen the Greeks fall, the Egyptians fall. There's always been civilizations that fall. And we never seem to ever be able to learn from them, you know, um, we, you know, these big civilizations suddenly don't care, they grab power, they fall into debauchery, and it seems to be what's happening to us now. We're just not learning from any of the mistakes, you know. But we're very ancestors. comfy in our, we seem to think that this last, you know, three or four hundred years, which is all it really is of peace, we haven't had, yeah. and even then there were the world's two largest world wars and that, it hasn't been exactly smooth sailing, but... You talk to people and they seem to think that this is forever because yeah. we've had two generations or maybe three that have never experienced a massive shift. And I don't know about you, but it, it feels like the kids today think they can do anything yeah. and let any kind of degeneracy go through and nothing will happen to society. It will just function. Just imagine if the internet went out. If something happened, you know, it, uh, how would an enemy. How would they get the River Eats? How would they do anything? Like, how, how would we like do anything anymore. How would we purchase anything in shops? You've got the credit card machines, you've got the ATMs, there's barely, you know, banks are closing everywhere. You can't even go in, barely get your money. And you know, once the ATMs close, if you can't use your cards in store, if you can't look at, read a map, a physical map, because you depend on, you know, your phone to tell you where to go, there's going to be a lot of problems, you know. All you, you know, the informations are all the information's all stored on clouds. People don't remember. I, I still remember old phone numbers from when I was like a kid, like my old home phone and everything. We don't even know other people. I don't even barely know any of my friends' phone numbers off by heart because I'm relying on, you know, my phone just to type in their name and, and call them. We don't. We, well, we've had a lot of questions when we've been here on stage about, I think you are on stage with me when we had people worrying about ChatGPT and what's yeah. going to happen in this new age. And I don't think that ChatGPT is going to affect our generation. I don't think it will affect Mark's generation because we have a grounding in knowledge, but you may not be aware of it. In Victoria, there was a big teacher's convention and they were talking about their top English students saying they can't read novels because they don't have the attention span. So they're going to start using short stories to better accommodate the TikTok <laughs> generation. Now, if that's happening to our top students, does that mean we have a civilization that can't even learn its old history, yeah. let alone learn from it? 
and therefore will create a society that maybe isn't as rational as we would hope and more susceptible to propaganda. Yes, because if we're going to just get our information from, say, the internet um, and no historical books, it's like the modern day version of book burning, right? We're getting rid of all kinds of history and we're just going to have what AI allows us to have. And that's all we're going to be able to see, especially with censorship. Um, and, you know, it's like we discussed before, like what happens um, um, with, with censorship, you need people to be able to get together in person and we've lost a lot of that. So we've lost reading books, um, going to libraries, finding out history from, you know, what's written. We're, we're, you, we're getting rid of books. We're getting, we're changing novels, sensitivity, uh, I can't. The sensitivity readers <laughs> that Yeah, go, change that things. That Shakespeare bloke who wrote half his stuff when he yeah. was hammered, we have to make that more sensitive. Yeah. That's not good. Um, you know, and, and we've, we've forgotten that. And I remember seeing a really good interview that Katie Hopkins and Mark did about, you know, the old speakeasies. And that's going to have to be what happens if, you know, all this censorship takes place, you know. We're going to have to be able to get together. And we're going to have to be able to read old books. And we're going to have to be able to see, you know, read novels that have now been, you know, are going to be banned in the future because they're just not woke enough. So, well, one yeah. of the things you're particularly passionate about on Mark Stein's show, and this is one of our final questions here, is this idea of safetyism, and it's not just for COVID, it's also for things like the climate where people are yeah. panicking that the, the sea is going to somehow rise and the, and the sky is going to catch fire. Now, we've just been through all these ruins and the sea is exactly what it was before, <laughs> you know, except for Italy where maybe a volcanic eruption happens and part of it falls into the ocean, yeah. but it's not the same thing. Well, back in the, in the old days, people didn't hear about disasters around the world, so they weren't being bombarded yeah. with this constant apocalyptic stuff that's happening. Do you think that now that we have this internet and immediacy, it's just the sheer volume of things that we hear about that's m making us think that disaster is increasing when it really isn't, and it's making us hypochondriacs and paranoid? A hundred percent. You know, what I learned from doing all these reality shows is that um, they like subjects that split the audience. They like subjects that someone turns off the TV and they're going to go and argue about afterwards. And that's the same with our news. They like things that make people um, really fearful, so they turn on for the next episode to see what's going on. So anything negative. It's like you're in a reality TV show. It, no, it really is, because they're picking all the worst parts. And they're not they're not they're even chasing ratings almost. They are chasing ratings. Of course, they're you know they're all corporations. They they need the ratings for news shows, as just like they need ratings for a reality show or you know a radio show or, or anything. Okay, so that's what they are chasing, and you know it's very easy to say let's go on this climate change narrative and just say it's climate and put that fear in people. But you know they're never talking about how. Even a hundred or two years, hundred years ago, people would build on hills because they knew what floodplains were. People wouldn't build on land that flooded in the winter, but they do it now. They do it all around the countryside near me because they think that they can somehow divert the water somewhere else. Well, they do divert the water somewhere else and it floods an area that never flooded. And then they'll blame that on climate change or they will concrete over fields that, ab that absorb the water and chop down trees that drink the water and then the you know you've just got all these clogged up drains and you've got clogged up culverts and you've got the EU that told the UK that they're not allowed to dredge the rivers and clean up all the silt along the bottom of um, you know the waterways and then there'll be a flash flood 
just with a normal amount of rain and suddenly they'll blame climate change. And it's all very comfortable. But what it does is it stops people thinking, right, we need our governments and the water companies or even ourselves to go out and clean up our drainage. We've got to stop building on um, on all these fields. It's almost like they use their own, they, their own incompetence, they're covering yeah. the narrative of climate change. We didn't do, we didn't prepare properly, oh, but it's climate change. Yeah, so we'll do that. It's not that, that we forgot to do it last week. Yeah, and what we can do now is we can tax you more because we can say it's a net zero tax because apparently by taxing you, we're going to stop climate change. But what you want to do to stop the flash flooding is actually get a little bit active and actually sort out, you know, the problems that they've caused by their incompetence. Do hard work. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lala, just finally, where can people find you? And also, what would you tell our Australian audience if you could tell them anything? Um, you can find me on Twitter. I still haven't been banned on that. <laughs> I am actually on Instagram. I can't use my full name. I use half of the last half of my first name in the first half of um, my second name um, and but what I say to the Australian audience, oh you've thrown me with that one. <laughs> well, what about Covid? I mean you must have watched us from afar yeah. thinking, oh what happened to our, our friends across the ocean? Oh god, I mean you guys had it worse than us but um, I mean your governments were so just Dan Andrews, I, I mean I've got, I've got no words but I think the most important thing is, is that people have to speak so that they know they aren't alone I think that's the most important thing to be able to like you know find like-minded people um, and if you are honest with yourself and say how you feel that is how you you know find other people because if you're all playing along just to you know stay under the radar then everyone's staying under the radar and you don't ever realize how powerful you are yeah well I must say that you yeah, people in other countries should not know who the Victorian Premier is. That's, that's not a good sign. Well, Lilani, thank you so much for joining us here on Marshall Live. And I encourage everyone to go and follow you because you've got some great things to say. You. And you can catch us on Mark's show every week. We are Mark's Angels. And that's all that we have time for here today on Marshall Live. Catch you next week.